You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live, Duluth edition. This is Father Richard Kuntz along with Deacon John Foucault coming to you from the St. James campus of Stella Mars Academy. And uh, right now, we, well, we've had a great show, so I've been thrilled. We've had great guests, great yeah. call-in segment, but now uh, certainly uh, the best for last, our new bishop. Bishop Felton, welcome to Real Presence Live. Oh, I'm so glad to be with you uh, today. Hopefully you had a great Fourth of July weekend. It was great, and great we hot did. weather in Duluth, which is unusual. What did you do for your Fourth of July weekend? Actually, I had the opportunity to zip back to the Green Bay area. My family had a family reunion um, this uh, past weekend, so... Uh, the weather was beautiful there as well, and it was just great to be with family to catch up on things. And then I spent Monday on the road heading back uh, to my home here in Duluth. Yeah, does, uh, Bishop, does it? Um, I'm sure that your life has been a whirlwind in the last several months, but maybe speak a little bit about your, I mean, this is in essence what we're talking about this morning with you, is that your first couple of months, or your first, it's not even been two months, it's a month and a half of, of being a, the Bishop of Duluth. Maybe reflect on that for our listeners of what it's like to be a new bishop. Sure, sure, I'd be happy to do that, uh, and obviously I'm speaking from first-hand experience. So we, we uh, had uh, the uh, ordination for the bishop, that was on May 20th, my ordination took place, and that was such a beautiful event, and people did such a great job, you know, with that, and so I, I appreciate that very much. Um, and then I think even in my last interview uh, with Real Presence Radio, I talked about that I had not moved my things. So right after the ordination, I went back and packed all my things into a U-Haul truck. And on Memorial Day, I drove the U-Haul truck from uh, Green Bay to Duluth, um, had everything packed securely until I was coming up 26th Street here in Duluth, which is on the deep incline as it is, and things shifted around in the U-Haul when I was only five minutes away from my final destination. Mm -hmm. But everything turned out just great. So... I had the opportunity to move my things, and one of the things I do when I have a new assignment, uh, this would be the fifth time I've moved in my 40 years of being a priest, is just to get my unpacked in my home and to get my office set. And once I've got uh, those two places kind of in order, then I just go with the flow and to see where things uh, are going to take me. And, then, and uh, right away, uh, right after uh, I was able to come back and bring my things back here, uh, we had two ordinations. We had uh, Deacon Scott was ordained a deacon and Deacon Trevor a priest. So in the world of ordinations, we had what's called the Grand Slam. So uh, I don't know if there's an equivalent hockey term, Father Rich, I'm not sure, but uh, I'll use a baseball. Okay, a hat trick. So we we, uh, had uh, a bishop, uh, a priest, and a deacon ordination all within 10 days. And I know there's no other place in the United States that could make that same claim. So, you know, what a great thing for Duluth. Has, has, uh, and, and then since then, just kind of getting my feet on the ground. Has there been, uh, what's what's maybe the um, uh, the most pleasant surprise of being a bishop, and maybe the thing that maybe most surprised you is being unpleasant? I think, uh, one, I think just, uh, I kind of was hoping for, but it certainly has been the case of just the warm welcome that I've received. Um, I had a chance to do um, a Mass in each one of the deaneries, and uh, that was a marvelous experience. And so in each one of the deaneries, um, there was a gathering of the priests and deacons uh, for that deanery. 
um, a mass with the people and then some opportunity for me to meet and be with the people afterwards. And people have just been so uh, welcoming and in inviting me to a number of things uh, within their homes, their families, the parishes. So, you know, that, that has been just, uh, and people just are meeting me for the first time. So the kindness that has been extended to me uh, is greatly appreciated. Um, I think in terms of uh, the challenge, I know when a new bishop comes, there's a lot of things that have to be tended to um, in the transition. Um, but Duluth was somewhat unique in that it had been 18 months since there was a bishop here. So there is a backlog of a number of things that we're waiting for a bishop to be in place for some decisions that have to be made moving forward. So it's just trying to catch up on the backlog of some of those processes and decisions. Um, I should have expected that, but it caught me a little by surprise. Not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But it makes uh, moving ahead, uh, you know, very full and very challenging. Bishop, in regards to your ordination, could you speak to anything or any reflections uh, from that actual liturgy? Yes. You know, I uh, some of the bishops had said that there'll be a grace that goes with the office, and in my prayer, and humbly praying for that grace, was that I could actually be prayerful in my ordination and not just be schizoid on what's going to happen and I was going to screw things up or I was going to fall over or something of that nature. I just wanted it to be a prayerful experience, and I think that um, it was that. I was really very conscious, aware as I was moving through it, that I could be in the moment of the prayer. I mean, the prayer of ordination of a bishop, you know, is a powerful, powerful prayer, that I could hear that, that I could be praying along with the litany of saints. So I was just so grateful um, that I was given a grace in that moment to just be attentive to the power of the Lord in that, the Holy Spirit moving in that, um, and just that's what it made it so special. And then obviously um, the bishops who came, my family being there, people from the diocese, that we were able to open things up a little bit, um, moving to the next stage of our COVID protocol. So in the end, it, it just was an incredibly prayerful and joyful moment. It was a beautiful, beautiful liturgy. Oh yeah, it was incredible. It was great. I mean, I mean, we were all super excited because we were having a bishop's ordination, yeah. and so yeah. there's there's nothing that could have gone wrong about that. So we were obviously thrilled, Bishop. The looking back at your now, obviously the oils are still wet, and so you you know, I mean, you're living with a you know month and a half of experience as bishop. But looking back on your 40 years of priesthood, because you just celebrated your 40th anniversary last month, right. looking back right. on your 40 years of priesthood. Can you can you maybe identify something in your priesthood that maybe helped serve you most to get to this point in your life? What what part of your priesthood has really come to the forefront in your ministry as bishop? Right, I appreciate that question. I, I think it's just you know at being a pastor for almost thirty five years um, and having had various assignments. It's just you begin to realize as you make your second and third move, yeah, I'll get to know the structures, yeah, I'll get to know the people that are on councils and committees, and all of those things are so, so important in terms of leadership within a parish. But in the end, it's all about a relationship, a relationship with Jesus Christ and how I experience that Jesus and the relationships with parishioners. So I have to admit, doing the deanery masses was very energizing for me just to... And being over at... Uh, St. James for the uh, 
blessing of your marvelous renovation of your church, but it's moments like that of being a pastor and just being with the people, being attentive, listening, laughing, uh, celebrating life with folks as a pastor. Those are the most cherished moments and most of the time the most impacting of moments. And I'm beginning to realize that's also true in the life of a bishop as well. So, Bishop, in the uh, deanery masses, um, obviously there's a, a lot of uh, parishioners who want to meet you and spend time with you, and it was fantastic that you're able to get to the deaneries, but tell us a little bit about how, how that made you feel when you were at the individual parish in the deanery and how those individuals you know, welcomed you in regards to, to being the new Bishop of Duluth. Yeah, I think that uh, you know, there's something about the office of the bishop that is a form that even precedes my person. So people really don't know me, but we'll have a marvelous chance over the years uh, to get to know one another. And so people weren't necessarily coming to see me as a person as much as they were coming to see their bishop. And it's kind of an office that precedes my person that I'll grow into, you know, that office, and my person will fill that office up. But in the beginning, at the deanery masses, over and over again, people would say, I just wanted to come, or I brought my family because we wanted to see our bishop. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just was humbled by that, and humbled by the office, and the grace of the office itself, um, knowing that my person will grow into that office, but for now, um, that people are there to see their bishop. Yeah, and it's I suppose like being in a uh, a parish for the first time, you just want to get the lay of the land, and you figure it out. You listen to a lot of people, and then, yep. and then after you figure it out, then then you start making your actions as you're in your ministry and your and call. The lay of the lay of the land of the diocese to Duluth, as you're finding out, is large, large yeah. geographic area for travel. Yep, it is. Yep. You know yes. that uh, rarely am I getting on the road where, you know, it's not going to take more than an hour to get to where I need to get to, and I've also discovered uh, basically not always, but. You know, I get on Highway 53 more often than not, and then it's just a matter of where am I going to get off of Highway 53, heading north uh, yeah. to get to the parish or to the region that I need to get to. Yeah, and, and enjoy the daylight hours now, because those long winter hours, you're going to be driving a lot at night. I know it, yes. and, and uh, even now when I'm traveling, I'll see those wonderful deer looking at me out of the ditch. I'll be like, oh. you stay there, don't you <laughs> move, exactly. don't right. you move. We had a yeah, priest that had a bear hit his car, demolished <laughs> his car, totaled it. If there's one deer, there's another one behind it, usually. That's exactly right. Yeah. 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 It's better to hit a deer than a bear. Yes. And don't hit a moose. No, and I, no. I have to see one, but I, I would imagine it's all over if you hit a moose. So Yeah, exactly. And then I, I don't know uh, if you're old enough to remember, but remember there was that period of time when people were putting deer whistles on yes. their... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? yep. I just thought I lived about with that the pastor the other day. had them on there, and people would say, well, does that work? And he would say, well, I haven't hit a deer yet. You know? Yeah, so, on the corner of each bumper, right? Yep. That's right. Yep. I think somebody made a lot of money on those things. I think they did. <laughs> you don't see them at all anymore. <laughs> no, no, you don't. No. 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 Father so Rich, we, you're just upset that you didn't come up with that first. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, he, maybe there's some truth to that. He's getting to know you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Bishop, tell, tell us a little bit about, I know we just have a minute or two left. but Before the break. Before the break, yeah. Tell us a little bit about um, the reinstatement of the Sunday obligation, and then we'll come back to that after the break. Yeah, I think that... Uh, you know, as I get a sense of being in the diocese, you know, that it was a very challenging time. Uh, kudos again to so many people responding to the moment, but it's always kind of measuring the data and the circumstance, and then what's the measured response to that. 
and that we're at a point now in measuring the data and things that we have available to us to be able to open things up again, to invite people to come back, and as a consequence, the need to reestablish again the obligation uh, for mass, which is a part of our tradition and a uh, part of our belief. So I think that, uh, yeah, we have a lot of things to talk about uh, regarding that, but it's just the right time to do that, and what a great opportunity this is going to be. Thank you for tuning in to Real Presence Live. I'm Father Richard Kuntz, along with Deacon John Foucault. We've been talking to Bishop Daniel Felton of the Diocese of Duluth, and we'll continue this conversation after this brief break. Please stay with us. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sapo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision provides eye exams for the whole family and specialty services like vision therapy and custom contact lenses. We offer a variety of frames with missions you can believe in, like Moto Eyewear, which gives away a pair of glasses to a child in need for every frame sold. We are so grateful for your support and grateful to be supporting RPR. You can learn more about our mission at lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of the Real Presence Radio Network. Taking what you experience on Sunday in church and applying it on Monday at work can be a challenge. This year's Faith and Business Conference will help you learn how to take faith principles and integrate them into the workplace. This year's featured speaker is Super Bowl champion and former Minnesota Viking, Matt Burke. Join us on Thursday, August 19th at the Convention Center in Sioux Falls. For more information and to purchase tickets, go to faithandbusinessconference.com. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. I'm Father Richard Kuntz, along with Deacon John Foucault, and we're talking to Bishop Daniel Felton of the Diocese of Duluth of his first weeks of being a bishop, and as well as Deacon John just asked a question about mass obligation right before the break. And I just want to kind of follow up a little bit on that with uh, with our bishop. Bishop, this past weekend I had, and I mean this has been going on all along, but the, it just came to my mind again this last weekend because it was the first weekend in which the obligation was reinstated for our diocese, and I believe the whole state of Minnesota. But you know, it was really. I think that there's a tension in a in a pastor's heart sometimes, where you know, I've had I had some parishioners that you know, fairly young, healthy people that just never went to mass during the entire COVID for 18 months, and then all of a sudden they just pop back in, and it's like the tension as pastor. It's like, okay, you obviously don't get it. You know, I mean, the whole Eucharist thing and and the importance, the spiritual 
nature of why we have mass and why it's so significant to our salvation and then but then be welcoming at the same time and so it's like there really is a tension in my uh in my heart in regards to of course it always ends up that you have to be pastoral and very welcoming but there's always that inner like oh i just wish i could talk some sense into you people you know it's like how do you respond to something like that well, you know, again, I think you mentioned a couple of the first responses is, as a pastor, we always, you know, walk that journey, accompany people, but to do that many times, we have to walk alongside of them where they're at, kind of like Jesus did, walking the road of Emmaus, and kind of meeting the disciples on the road, and kind of initially walking with them, just to hear them, to listen to them, what's been their experience. Um, because there's a story, a pandemic story, for every person, and many times we don't know what their story is. And, uh, you know, has their family experienced deaths? Um, did they have COVID themselves? What are the fears that they're still carrying? What is the resentment or anger maybe that's still alive in their hearts? So every parishioner who walks through the door, um, you know, these, these past 18 months have made a huge difference. Um, and many times it's just trying to catch up on stories and where people's lives are at and to understand that a little bit better. I think it's another great opportunity to reintroduce uh, the Mass, and that may sound a little bit strange, but if the Mass is the source and summit of what we are and who we are, many times we don't understand that, or we just kind of take that for granted. And even if you're a regular Mass goer, and you say to somebody, you know, the Mass is the source and the summit, and I'll explain to the person next to you why that's the case, a lot of folks will just say, well, just because it is. So we, we have a great opportunity to do some catechesis here and evangelizing, to kind of meet people where they're at, to be able to listen to their story, but then to draw them into the story of Jesus as it's given and revealed to us uh, in the Holy Eucharist and the Holy Mass. And, you know, what a great opportunity we have here. It's kind of like funerals and weddings. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times uh, there may be a priest who says, oh, I go out there and People hardly know the responses, and, you know, they're really not fully participating, and they haven't been in church for a long time. Um, And uh, with the family and friends who come to be a part of those occasions, I always looked at it as what a wonderful opportunity we have to evangelize in this moment to give people an experience of Jesus in that Mm -hmm. sacrament and an encounter with the Lord and an experience that was positive of the Church and of a parish. And God only knows where the Holy Spirit can lead that person with that kind of an experience. So... I think the same is true here. Uh, one, to know what people's stories are and how they've been impacted by this in many ways that we don't even know, um, and then to accompany and walk them into a deeper sense of the Eucharist and the Holy Mass. Uh, it's a challenge, but it's also a great opportunity. Bishop, where may uh, some you know, the obligation for Mass is now reinstated, but where may that not, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Apply. Apply yeah, to and, some and individuals. a lot of this, you know, um, to, to the obligation on Mass is really uh, rests a lot with the priest or the pastor and the bishop, you know, to be able to dispense or not. Um, and so locally, as a pastor over the 35 years, there were a variety of circumstances when people would ask to be dispensed, deer hunting, a number of things, traveling maybe. And it was always to listen to the particular circumstances of that individual. And then as a pastor to pray and discern, you know, whether the dispensation could be given or not. And many times it was, and sometimes no, you know, that you're able to find a Mass and participate in that Mass and receive the Lord. Um, But there are times and circumstances. So, you know, one of the things that we did discover throughout the pandemic was 
how we were able to care for those who were homebound and in nursing homes as an assisted living, um, the opportunities we had with online to be able to reach out to them uh, in a very uh, powerful kind of way. So, you know, if people are in a nursing home, um, if they are in uh, healthcare situations, if they are homebound, if they are shut-ins, you know, certainly, you know, those are opportunities and ways uh, that the dispensation would be there for them. Um, affirmities, you know, may be temporary, but there can be occasions where you may be infirmed in such a way that you're not able to get there. If, if going uh, still causes, you know, significant anxiety or a fear of becoming ill, you know, that we still respectfully acknowledge that, you know, that fear sometimes for some individuals um, and their person is very real and very crippling. And we do not want them to be put into a situation where rather than it being the source and summit of their life, it's the dread and despair mm-hmm. of going, that's not what the Lord meant the Eucharist right. to be. Um, and then sometimes not being able to attend Mass, no fault of your own. You know, I want to mm-hmm. go to Mass, but there's nobody to give me a ride, and I don't have a driver's license, or I'm not, I don't, um, I'm too young yet to go, or whatever. There can be circumstances where it's not your fault. You have a desire to go, but you're not able to do so. So there are, by canon law, you know, also, and by liturgical principles, reasons why there can be a dispensation for those reasons as well, which we did state up front. Uh, and any information that's being released. Bishop, uh, maybe a little bit of a, a change of subject here. You know, you talked about one of the challenges that you were maybe not expecting. We only have a couple minutes left here, but one of the challenges that there was so much backlog stuff that was going on. Yes. And maybe you can speak a little bit to some of the backlog, and, you know, just because people don't see something changing, that doesn't mean it's not happening. Maybe you can, anything that you are able to share in regards to sure, things that you sure. have been doing. Yeah, so I think that, uh, you know, because... Uh, there had been that 18 and now 19 month almost period of time um, between uh, Bishop Serba's death and my coming here. Um, a lot of things have to be put on hold. And so uh, a lot of priests had made moves to new parishes, but they could only be appointed as an administrator and not as a pastor. And kind of to the people sitting in the pew, it wouldn't look a whole lot different, but there are a lot of rights that a pastor has, R-I-G-H-T-S, and responsibilities that an administrator does not. And so right away I wanted to move people from being an administrator to a pastor as quickly as possible so they could exercise those rights and responsibilities. Um, one of the things that also happens is um, a lot of the, the governance things that the bishop has available to him, a, a priest council, a presbyteral council, a college of consultors, which is made up of priests, all of that is put on hold, and uh, I'm reconstituting all of that and putting those things into motion so that we can get some structure back in, have some order as to how we're operating, and some consistency and constancy, you know, on the things that we're doing. So little by little, it's just kind of settling in. Uh, It's been an in-between moment. Uh, My last comment would be, um, as I move around the diocese and talk to people, there's a strong sense that we're moving out of uh, a dark night and many things that constituted that dark night for us in our personal life, in the life of the diocese, into a new dawning. And we're not into the, to the daylight yet, but the feeling is that we're walking out of the darkness and with a new dawning, all of a sudden you, there's a new sense of hope that goes with that, a new sense of energy 
and you're able to begin to see kind of, well, where are we going from here and what are we going to be about uh, as we move forward out of the darkness and what will take us into the daylight. So it's a great time. It's a, it's and, a time of great. Uh, I'm just really excited about so many things that are happening here, and I just am humbled to be a part of that. It's a time of great optimism, Bishop, and so thank you very much. We look forward to many years of having you here and yes. uh, having you on the radio with us. And so thank you for joining us on Real Presence Live this thank morning. Thank you, Bishop. Yep, and, and one of the great joys and gifts that we have is that we do have a radio station like Real Presence. So exactly. along with myself, I hope everybody else supports you and this great mission. Exactly. Thank you very much, Bishop. God right, bless. Take care. Bye bye. the rest of the day. Thank you. Goodbye. Well, that was a great, great show. Good show. It was a very good show. And so let's uh, let's get Teresa on board here. Just tell us a little bit about our next show. Yeah. Thank you, Father. So on the next Real Presence Live, Wednesday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central, Father Jason Kern and Nick Modelski will be your hosts, coming to you live from St. James Coffee in Rochester, Minnesota. Bishop David Kagan from the Diocese of Bismarck will join us to talk about the source and summit of the Catholic faith. And Dr. Deb McManaman will talk about street evangelization. All that and much more is coming up on the next Real Presence Live. That's tomorrow from 9 to 11 a.m. Central. Back to you, Father. Great. Thank you very much, Teresa. Well, John, uh, Dean John, it's been good having you. Thank you for having me again. I always enjoy being here to to, uh, co-host with you and to fill in whenever you need to be. So I I welcome the opportunity. Thank you. Yeah, and I mean, and this was a great show. I mean, it was, uh, you know, I mean... To have right. th- those three great yes. guests and yes. uh, and uh, the call-in segment was very call good. Call-in section, yes. Yep. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, uh, hopefully the listeners appreciate the, uh, you know, the comments from Pete Crow and the ability to, you know, have a good Catholic Christian counselor and then the inspir- inspirational story of oh, Father okay. Ben Hadrich and then, of course, our new bishop here, which is uh, an inspiration as well in a different way. So, yeah, I've been uh, very pleased with this show and, and then the call-in segment as well. Yeah, and I look forward to, you know, uh, upcoming weeks, seeing more and more people coming back to Mass as they feel comfortable and the obligation reinstated. And and we welcome them with open arms and and yeah. hearts and happy to see them begin to, to come back. Yeah, yeah, I've been I've been very blessed in my parish to have a very good turnout. I've been very excited, and so um, that's it's been a very positive thing here. And so hopefully that's continuing in all parishes and will continue in all parishes yes. throughout our listening area. So why don't we end with a with a brief prayer? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Heavenly Father, please uh, bless all of our guests and all of our listeners, and may we all grow closer to Christ together through the coming weeks and months and years ahead. Amen. amen. And, and, and Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. amen. God bless everybody, and be kind. This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. Get the podcast any time of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence Radio app. And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network.